0: This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: Play action fake, wants to throw it. Big rush. It is Highsmith, and he's down for the sack. Highsmith, sack number 11 on the year, and he's a hometown favorite as a graduate of UNC Charlotte.
3: So, homecoming day yesterday in Charlotte, (laughs) North Carolina, for Alex Highsmith and Larry Ogunjomi, both, well, they like to be called the Charlotte 49ers. They don't like to say UNC Charlotte, even though that's the official title of the university. Um, They like to be called the Charlotte 49ers. So, a Charlotte 49er alum and a guy that I watched Um, you know, at the hotel where we stayed at Wolf, we were on on the campus of UNC Charlotte. Yes. So the football field actually wasn't that far from our hotel where we were at. That's what I understand. Um, Yeah. So if you were, you know, if you're on a higher floor, you could actually, and you were facing out in the front of the hotel, you can actually see the stadium. Um, and I call, I've called a lot of games there. Um, because I worked for Conference USA for, um, for uh, my first three years um as a broadcaster so i was i was the conference usa uh kind of for 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 their network within stadium they had a huge partnership so i i was uh, i was on their a crew for tv games so i saw i saw a lot of larry ogan Joby and i also saw a lot of um alex highsmith in fact i i was i i reached out and was like hey there's this kid <laughs> this yes. down there, yeah. Down yeah. Here in Charlotte. <laughs> I was like, I was like, think Lamar Woodley. I was like, that's and he he's he, you know he's in he's in Group of Five football, so he's not Power Five, but he's a kid who could play on Sundays. And darned if that that young man did not come uh, and seeing Alex Heisman just continue to grow, man. Double digit sacks here this year, and just continuing. Still got three games left. See how far he can build. If he can get into the teens. Can you get the teenage years? You know, get a driver's license. Maybe I'd love to see that number. Um, (laughs) Exactly. You know, but but uh, but yeah. No, I mean, a great day, great showing for both of of these guys, local. Because because it's always great when you get to play. You know, you you get to go back home. Alex Heisman, literally. I I think he I think he had. You know a, an army of people there he had to have at least 40 40 50 people there I would and, be, I wouldn't
4: be surprised yeah and I imagine he
3: you know sideline sideline passes the ticket requests was at an all-time high to try and get all of the highsmith uh faithful into the stadium yesterday um but it was uh it was cool to see Alex you know and I, I thought he came alive as well and I remember I said I think I said at one time during the broadcast I was like it's Like was it about us coming down to, south of the Mason Dixon line to these yeah, stadiums, and, you did. and all of our Southern guys just having just a day? Because you remember what happened in Atlanta, you know, with Presley coming back home. Right, Najee, who was who was who who was unofficially collegiate home was not far away. Stayed over in Alabama, but he spent a lot of time in in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, winning SEC championships and playing Peach Bowls on his way to national championships in that very. Stadium. Um, it was just, it was just really cool to see guys have those moments um, when they came home, and and th- this was no different. And once again, what did we do in a Southern Stadium, Wolf? As Steeler fans,
4: well, we took over. That's what we did.
3: We absolutely took over. It sounded like a home game. Like when the Carolina Panthers were trying, you wonder why we went ten to fifteen on third downs, Wolf. It's because <laughs> yeah. nobody was yelling. You saw terrible towels twirling, and our fans were being quiet. And you heard the, the, the smattering of Panther sounds, you know, sparse throughout the stadium when they did. But then when, when Carolina had third downs, it was loud. It was rocking. And it was just it – was, it was such a fun sight. And, you know, it's one of those things that you enjoy. I mean, there's very few stadiums, you know, where we don't have a good showing. You know, obviously – you know it's tough getting Steeler fans in our divisional stadiums because obviously their fans are just as faithful and they won't sell to us. But it's funny when we go on road trips. I mean, you think about even like Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, heck, even Miami. We had a really good showing down there, and the Dolphins were red hot. And you know those are fair weather bandwagon fans. Right. Um, but I mean, we we do so well. Across this country, the Cardinal Stadium. When 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 uh, when we come out here to where I'm at, it's amazing. I mean, there are just we we I would say we've taken over. We could probably take over five to six other pro team stadiums. I mean, I Absolutely. think that's how strong our our following is, and and we love Steelers Nation. We love you guys, and and it was just it was one of those other days, like to to usher in those performances. Um, by those guys, it was just – it was awesome to see that celebrated and to have as many fans as we did in the stadium.
4: You know, it's so funny because, you know, talking about – and you're so right about how they take over. It's just – I couldn't believe it with the terrible towels. I, I think I made the comment on the air. I said David Tepper was once a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now he's the owner of the Carolina Panthers. But he might think he still was invested in the Steelers with the amount of Steelers fans that were waving terrible towels in the stadium. It was unbelievable. At-
3: Absolutely, maybe he's still getting the proceeds from that because I, I don't know where they all came from. But you know, and and you know, so it was funny. So my ride to the airport, uh, my wife's best friend lives in lives in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. So Doctor Lelanda Graham is is one of her best friends from college, um, and so she gave me a ride to the airport afterwards. And her and she, and you know she has two she has season tickets to oh, uh, okay. the Panthers, and so. It was funny. Her husband, Hans, was like, I- I'm not going to the game. And she was like, why? He's like, because I'm not fighting your Aunt Anita for the tickets. Aunt Anita is a huge <laughs> Steeler fan. So big shout out to Aunt Anita who was in the crowd even there yesterday. Lalanda was pouty all in the car ride. And me and Aunt Anita just kept giving it to her about, I don't know why you're surprised. I said, I said, you know what? You should be excited because you know what happened? you sold out the stadium dave tepper made money you guys made money you know you guys could go buy a better team next year with the proceeds that we just, that we help give to you by being in, in in the presence of your stadium we helped you out so you're welcome <laughs> you know i she kept egging and she was she was like what time's your flight max don't make me make you i said stop a little lot there she's like no i'm just i'm just kidding But – i'm still I'm still salty as a Panthers fan. I said that's okay. I said you're still you're still in the playoff hunt. I was like, Tampa Bay lost as well, so yeah. you're good. Still you're still there. only one. You're still in the same spot you were before the game started. One game behind. <laughs> Win out, you'll be fine. <laughs> there you go.
4: You know what was so yeah. funny? You were talking about Alex and I. The night before the game, I you know went down to to eat and hang out, and as I'm walking through, you know, back in the players section there. And uh, I see Alex sitting there, and he's, he's just got this kind of contemplative look on his face, you know. I said, what yeah. are you thinking? You know, and we he, he started talking about how, you know, this was he went where he went to school. This was where he had so many dreams, you know. This is where, um, you know, he first realized maybe I have some abilities at the next level. This is where, you know, things came together for me, you know. And then he started looking at me, and he smiled. He goes, I'm just feeling grateful, you know. And I thought— that's just such a cool thing, you know what a, what a godly inspiration they're just grateful for things that have occurred in his life that brought him to that point and how his uh his faith has has driven him and strengthened him and here he's playing for the Steelers he's he's coming back to where he was only when he was there as a co- collegiate player he wanted to be where he is now you know and I think what a great you know, diametric uh, sort of juxtaposition where, you know, you were there before and you wanted to be in the pros and now here you are in the pros back where you were when you were in college and it's just a, it was kind of a neat thing and I, I appreciate it, you know. You got to stop and, you know, it's really stop and smell the roses and I think that's, it was kind of his moment of just kind of like coming to grips with how far he's come.
3: No, I mean, and, and it's a powerful moment, Wolf. Isn't it? when. when yes. You come back to a specific crossroad in your life, right? And, you know, there's your hometown, there's your collegiate town. Yep. Um, and of course, for Alex, it's a mixture of both. Um, but you literally come back to that and we literally stayed on campus where he played college football. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's like crazy. just think about it. Like we normally stay downtown at the Weston. Yeah. But but Steeler fans invaded that, and they took all the reservations. Thank you guys for having <laughs> us stay further out. Um, but it's you look at it and you say, "Man, because I because I I don't know about you, Wolf. I don't know if you had that similar moment, you know, playing in Buffalo oh, um, yeah. as a, as a player, like right going back to your hometown. But for me, that moment because Orlando does not have a pro team. Mm-hmm. Um. So the closest literally geographical location is Tampa. And at that point in my career, we hadn't played in Tampa earnest um, going before Super Bowl 43. Hmm. And I just remember having that same type of moment, like like you were talking about with Alex, where I was like, oh, my gosh. I was yep. like, I'm literally back as close as I could possibly be to home. And unfortunately for me, it wasn't as easy a ticket request as it was the Super Bowl. Um, I still got a lot of people pissed at me to this day that they, they didn't get to watch me play. And so I said, I said, did you want to pay them for those tickets? Because I wasn't paying for them. I already had enough immediate family I had to take care of. I was like extended family and friends. Nah, I'm sorry. The, the list got cut short on that one. There's only so many thousands of dollars you, you can even right spend for those tickets. <laughs> On top of fighting all the fans that already want to be there because it's the Super Bowl. So, um, so I just remember having the same. I was like, I was like, God. I was like, it's it's amazing how you work because I had played two Outback Bowls in mm-hmm. college in Tampa. Okay. So that was that was a cool experience. Like actually, three of my four bowl games were actually in the state of Florida as as a Florida Gator because we played in the Orange Bowl as well. Sure, but but to then come back to the pros and then come here for the thing that I dreamt about as a kid. I was in my buddy William Whitehead's front lawn, like front uh driveway playing basketball before Super Bowl 30. And I remember going into his house that day and we watched the Super Bowl together and I was like, "Man, I want to do that one day." He's like, "Man, he's like, Okay, I mean, I, I do too. You know, it was like it was like ah, me too. Hey, hey, let's, let's jump on the fantasy train. Um, but then to actually have it realized, like that is such a powerful emotion and such, like you said, such a you know I call it the come to Jesus moment, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you have that moment where you where you realize the the grandness and just the absolute amazement of what God can do. Yeah. you Amen to in that. your life if you are earnest and you just stay the path because there's so many ways you can divert along the way or get off that path or be tempted, you know, by different things, but you stay the path yep. and then to to seek that reward, to feel that fulfillment it, it It's an overpowering thing. And so for Alex, I know – because I saw him later that evening right. when he was in the lobby with all of his family and everyone.
4: Oh, man. And, that must have be been nice. It,
3: and it was just great just to see the smile on his face. Yep. You know, and the excitement and him joking around. I think some of his college buddies that came over um, as well. So it was just – it was fun to see it. And, you know, and I, I, I felt that moment for him because I remember those moments, yeah. right? And, and you sit there and you're like, man, this is pretty awesome. And, and he had a fantastic – he had a great game. I think he – what did he finish with, one and a half sacks on the day?
4: Uh, I think it was just one, but he had a tackle for loss and he forced a fumble.
3: Oh, that's right. Because they they couldn't split the the sack in thirds. Because yeah. remember, it was him, Cam, and TJ yeah. that all hit Sam Darnold like yeah. in a triple triple sandwich. So yeah, that's right. He didn't he didn't get he didn't get credit for that. Even though I felt like he should have. I mean, they should have just given three halves. Yeah, I mean three halves. You know, <laughs> yeah, why not? Even I know hey. that doesn't work in fractions. Well, hey, but here's the thing. If you could call it a TFL instead of a sack for TJ to not take the lead, I think we could give a three I think we give three halves out there, Wolf. I'm with you. you know? Regardless, you know? let's throw away the rules. Exactly. Let's throw away the rules. Let's throw away semantics. I mean, hey, man, who needs math? You right? know what I need? So,
4: you know what you need? More cowbell. Well, That's what we need.
3: We, we do need more cowbell. You know, we're going to get more cowbell on the other side of this break. <laughs> That's what we're going to do because we're in the locker room. We're still talking. Can't, hey, hey. Panthers go down. Steelers victorious. We are on the hunt. Short week this week, but we are in the locker room with Wolf and Starks here on SNR and ESPN Radio.
0: in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation radio presented by your neighborhood Ford store the f-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers
2: here's the shotgun snap on third and three he throws it long down the left sideline that pass will be caught an unbelievable catch by George Pickens two hands above his helmet Keith Taylor tried in vain to stop that play what a big play on third and three
3: and another guy who had a tremendous day yesterday and it was the one the young one george pickens with a tremendous i don't even wolf i don't even know how he plucked that out of heaven and brought it to earth you, you know, it know what was- i'm saying like it was crazy. It was. You know,
4: it, and the thing that I was confused over was I asked you, I guess, because I was down on the field before the game, and it was so bright and sunny, and I was thinking, how in the world did he track that ball? But you uh, told me that the sun was on the other side, so when he turned back, it wasn't in his eyes, was it?
3: No, it wasn't. So so the way we were set up in the stadium, so for Steeler fans that weren't there yesterday um, – The Panthers' sideline was shaded early in the game because the sun was going over that direction. So they got the shade. We had the sun on our bench side. But the way the sun was, it was in a corner of the end zone. It wasn't straight over the top, over the middle. Mm -hmm. It was off to the side. So when you're looking at it going from the one end zone, if you're you're on the Steelers' offensive offensive side of the ball – the left side was a steeler side the right side was a panther side well the the sun was on the right side of the offense so george was running down the left side so for him he didn't have to he he didn't have to see the sun when he either was running the route or turning back and mitch because he's looking left did not get that sunlight in his face and mitch doesn't wear the eye black okay under his eyes you know normally you wear the eye black to draw some of Like, you know, lights and everything. Like that's that's the whole concept behind it. So I was like so I noted at one point in the game, Mitch did not throw on the right side of the field. You know, when we when we were going in that direction of the field because the sun was blinding. Even for us sitting on the sideline looking in that direction to watch the plays, I had to put my hands over my eyes. Yeah. Just to watch the plays happen and proceed. But on the field it was a different perspective. So that was cool to see like Okay, that didn't interfere with him. And then you saw when we switched quarters, then he could throw on the left side of the field, which was, of course, the previous right side of the field in in the previous quarter, if people are following me.
4: Okay, now Um, now you got me screwed up.
3: (laughs) That's that's okay. Don't worry about it. So for you, Wolf, it was right to left. He didn't have to worry about it at all, but coming left to right, he had to worry about the right side of the field. Okay, got it. So there we go. Now that we've gotten all the directions, I said there was no math, but there are directions in navigation. We do have to use the north, south, east, west concepts here. Yes. Um, but, but George Pickens, man, just. Here's what. The here's, day he had, not only that catch, but the other ones too.
4: Exactly. But he, think about this. The way he ran down the field, normally now what you try to do is you try to on a go route, you're going to try and stack the defender, meaning you're going to get on top of him, try to keep him in the trail position because he's going to be trying to play butt ball with you, try to work you into the sidelines. And yet George Pickens never really got uh, Taylor stacked, but man, it didn't matter. You know, he just kept straight and running down the, down the line and reached high with his hands over his head. You know, at first I thought he was trying to shield his eyes. Didn't understand until after you told me what was going on. But, you know, it was just so easy the way he did it. It was like Taylor wasn't even there, even though they were basically running stride for stride, were they not?
3: They were running stride for stride. And honestly, it was was one of those jump balls where I was like, "Uh, I don't know if he's going to get this one because it just didn't seem like... um, the ball was thrown perfectly but i'm like how is he going right. to adjust to this and and then boom he 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 and that's the other thing like he makes the impossible possible wolf he does you know it's weird you know? I, I mean he he, ma- he makes quarterbacks look tremendous in their decision making skills because i mean when it's a 50-50 ball he is he, he is he's just magical when it goes in the air and timing it up. You know, he can time his jump perfect. You know, I talked about this um, last week. He's late with his hands, which is right. also a, a tremendous trait to have because he does not give the DB something to key on if his back is turned to the ball, you know? Right. And so by the time they realize it, hands are out, ball is there. So they can't even chop or hold his hands or anything. They're literally at a disadvantage. And then, of course, him being taller than Keith Taylor Jr., who was I would argue is probably a better cover corner than J.C. Horn I, uh, because I think he has more athleticism, even though J.C. Horn, of course, is a tremendous athlete. He's tall, he's long, he's lean, and and, and he's, he's a good corner. But Keith Taylor Jr. definitely is the one that's like the better cover corner. And George Pickens made him look like he was third string in that moment. I he mean did. it was just a tremendous it was just a tremendous catch and focus by George to then not only do that, <clears throat> but keep the ball high and do like a pirouette yeah. as he came down. Yeah. I mean he, he you know, he def, he definitely looked like he was auditioning for the nutcracker uh play. You know, as one of the <laughs> sugar plum fairies. It was uh it was it was tremendous to watch. There was no doubt about it. You know, you take a look at it, you got
4: ten targets to DJ. You got 5 to Pickens and then everybody after that but for Steven Sims gets 2. You know or one. I'm yeah. sorry. Everybody else gets 1 and Steven Sims got 2. So you got 10 5 and 2 and then that, all the other guys are 1 1 and done targets. But I got to tell you something. You think what do you think that Mitch and Deonte were making a point almost like cuz there's been, you know, the talk about a little bit of a dust out uh, between them. And so forth, and yet here he goes, ten targets, ten receptions, and if I, you know, listening to DJ talk afterwards, he talks about he was grateful and uh, that uh, you know that Mitch trusted him, and Mitch is saying you know he he he's he's grateful that uh, Deontay trusted him. You know, I mean, there was a, the word trust was thrown back and forth, and I think that's just great news because what you got to have is you got to be copacetic inside those locker room walls you need on on both sides of the ball you know you got to have guys teammates that are pulling with each other and not against each other
3: that's right you, you both you both got to go north on the plow trail yeah can't can, you can't ha, can't have one ox going going north and the other one going south you'll never go anywhere right and I thought that was kind of a kind of a a, a joining of forces right a common a common group think effort. Mm -hmm. to make sure that they put their best foot forward. And like you said, just imagine, 10 for 10 targets, Wolf.
4: That's unbelievable.
3: No drops, no miscues on throws. He threw it perfectly where Deontay needed it, and Deontay responded in kind. Um, That's all you can ask for. I mean, that was a heck of a day um, for both Mitch and for him. And like you said – when you're talking about those ten catches, I think I think the stat line, the ten catches is already impressive at 98 yards. But what makes it more impressive is the moments in which those catches came. Yes. Because you have to think three of those were third and long situations that most people would be like, ah, we're gonna punt, ah, we're gonna have to kick it. You know, in some the and some third and fourteen
4: is sticking in my head right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, that th- and the third, the third and uh, the third and seven, which was the one that he danced through three guys.
4: Yeah, when he ghosted I mean, three guys, man.
3: Yeah, I was yeah exactly exactly. He 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 pulled a nightcrawler trick. You know, <laughs> night cra- nightcrawler is the one that could teleport to different places like instantaneously. I felt like he teleported to three different locations <laughs> as soon as the guy was about about to tackle him. Um, but yet, those were just huge moments in the game. where you are talking about having to sustain a drive, having to keep things going. Um, he does that now. Granted, I will I will say the personal foul, the taunting. Oh yeah, ah, that, we got to talk you're about, about that. A, ble- a blemish on the day. That would be one. That's a blemish on the day. But you know, but at, at the end of it, and, and you know, I, I took a picture yesterday on the sidelines. Um, It was right after Boz nailed the 50-yarder to to effectively ice the game at 24-16. Deontay, there was a kid, because, you know, like in their stadium, like they have these lower-level, like field-level seats. It's not quite like a – it's not the club seats, you know, like the little suites or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's right behind our bench, and they're just chairs that are kind of elevated just a little bit. And there was this kid that was just, Deontay, I love you, Deontay, (laughs) the whole game. The whole game. So Deontay just, you know, he turns around. He 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 finally acknowledges the kid. And then he goes over and he signs a kid's ball. I thought that was a that, that was, was nice classic. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's like you just had this heck of a day. You know, you could be in yourself. You know, you know that the TV channel wants to wants to talk to you for the post game interview and talk about your day. But to take that moment before all of that gets underway and uh, and and sign a fans football. I thought that was a cool moment, and that just. Goes to show you kind of the personability of of players, and so I wanted to capture that moment in a positive light and kind of shed some light on that because I because because I, Deontay is a is a great dude, and I thought that was a moment to kind of show you know just how nice and humble he is as a player. Yeah,
4: it, it shows another side of the player, and it's not yeah. you know the it's not all the the body armor stuff that uh, you know normally is put forward. Uh, you know, for players, you know, it's it's really kind of getting inside the helmet and showing that, that soft spot that he's got. And what a classy guy he is. I mean, he's always, always carried himself very, very well. And he's always been a professional. It was unfortunate that he got it and saw, involved in a little bit of taunting thing. And, you know, again, I, I'll put it to you, and I know a lot of people, that you can't do it, and I agree, you can't do it. Now, I've been in the same position, and uh, I punched somebody one time. Well, you know. I wish I'd just used my mouth. Maybe it would have had lesser of a penalty.
3: <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> and they always catch. They always catch the second guy. You they know? always
4: catch the second guy. Why do I have to be so slow in responding?
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, you own the boxing gym. Come on, you got oh, a. Oh, one, for two. crying out loud. Uh, Come you know? on, you got to use some of that pop-up pop, and just be done and walk off. Like, I don't know what happened. That, that yeah. He fell down on his own accord. It wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of me. Know? Oh, you know? Oh, you know, you
4: just me. hate that. You're like, you know, I, I want to sit there and say, you should do this. But, you know, the ghosts of, of Craig Wolfley Pass, you know, of yeah. big stupid moments on the field, they keep running through my head. And so I can't point the finger at anybody. You know, it's only at yeah. myself. No.
3: No, hey, listen, listen. I'm the same one. I have, I, I have been guilty of punching a guy in the throat a number of times. Yeah, oops. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just, it, it happens. It, it's the heat of the moment. You black out for about two point five seconds, That's and then you it. wake up, and the guy's on the ground. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Um, the fact that I knew that I punched him in the throat, you know, I just looked at my hand, and you know, how the, could the you do punches, this to me? <laughs> the throat punch is a little different because yours—you probably balled your fist. You I did. I did. Mine was is mine more of an open hand. You know, it catches the web. Yeah, catch the web. I got you. The I know what. You, the, I know it, what you're doing. It's just a little poof right there, yep. right in the. Th- <laughs> You know, yep. you cause them to do. I, yeah, it stops everything. Yep. you know what I'm saying because they no longer become the aggressor in that moment. No, you know? because and that's all I are trying to catch their do. wind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just to stole some. I literally stole some air without reaching in their mouth. You know what I'm saying? It was just. It was that type of moment for me. So you know, and, and hey, it is the heat of the moment. You're fighting. You, you know, you're out there on the field. It's it's a it's, it's a, a true, it's dumb.
4: It's just dumb. Yeah, but yep. but
3: but it's dumb at the end of the day because you realize you hurt your team more than you hurt the yeah. guy. Oh, there's no and, doubt, no yeah, doubt. And so, at so least yeah. you so got to all... the
4: throat. All I did was punch a face mask. That's oh, <laughs> no, oh no, that's a good no, idea, le, Craig. Le-
3: Hey, hey, listen, I learned my lesson. Well, if you've seen that finger on my right hand. Oh, yeah, that's true. My right middle finger. I I have punched a a teammate in the face mask, but that's the difference. But I learned very quickly never punch someone while they have a helmet on. Take the helmet off and then punch them in the face. Well, that's when I learned the push and pull
4: technique. You know, you push the face mask and you pull and you uppercut. (sighs) Push, pull, uppercut. That's but it took Boom, me a little like while that. to learn that. Yeah. It's it's a
3: little and, and, so you, and you have to time up the grass too.
4: Oh yeah. Well you got you, know? you gotta make sure to snatch yeah. that face mask first, get his before he gets yours. Then you gotta push, get him on his heels, but then a quick pull back, you know, which will lift the face mask a little bit, you can throw that uppercut and nail it.
3: Yeah, elongates the chin too. So yeah. it gives him is hot high propensity for for double-click chins and, and <laughs> eyes go and legs going limp, uh, <laughs> you know. Okay. Now we're now in the that, middle
4: of admitting not,
3: past mistakes. Now, 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 now that we've taught kids how to knock players out on the field, we're gonna yeah. go to break here. Yeah, I we're think it's reset. a good idea right now. Uh, yeah, that might be a good idea uh, to do that. But uh, this is the bell lap hour coming up. Well, sorry, bell lap segment coming up in the power hour. There we go, little cowbell. cowbell to get you going. I told you we get the cowbell going we for you. Got we got more cowbell coming. You said you need more cowbell. Well, we got more cowbell <laughs> for you, and we're gonna bring some more on the other side of this. We come back in the locker room. Wolf and Starks on ESPN and SNR Radio.
0: This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: Trubisky under center. Hands it off. Najee, stiff arm, gets to the five. Stiff arms his way into the end zone for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Touchdown from seven yards out. Najee Harris, his sixth of the year, and the Steelers forge
4: ahead on their first possession. Oh, don't you just love him, Max? I mean, he took that ball when he scored. He he outruns one guy to the edge. Then he comes up and there's one lone defensive back stand his way and he trashed him. I mean that he just just smacked him to the ground. That was unbelievable. Just un just great great running all day by Najee. I
3: mean something about Najee running in the in the southern part yeah. of the United States. It's <laughs> I don't know if it's something in the soil or the water, but...
4: Do they make grits yes. different down south than they do up north, maybe?
3: A- absolutely. Because, you know, I,
4: I love grits. I, grits. I get powered by grits, man. they the grits. Yeah. You know, you, especially when you get the shrimp. Oh, man.
3: Oh, sh- shrimp and grits. I mean, a southern delicacy, especially when you're talking about the Carolinas, right? I mean, you know, you got the ocean right there, and, uh, you know, you got nice, nice big shrimps there. And, uh, no, I mean, Najee just... Yeah, that run. And, and here's the thing: the guy is in the end zone, and Najee, you could tell, kind of misses on the stiff arm. He's trying to hit him in the face, because Najee wanted to take that dude down. He sure. want he wanted to bounce him like Grant from uh, from right. Atlanta a couple weeks ago. He was looking for, and the dude luckily ducks his head to the left a little bit and misses the full palmation that was Najee here. He gave him a smack, though, man. Yeah, he's he, yeah he smacked him, but he want, he want he wanted the full like just he wanted the full obliteration. That's oh, what like he, was he going had for. was it
4: the week before or something? Remember when he when he,
3: no two weeks ago in Atlanta? Of, yeah, okay. Yeah, when he he bounced Grant off the ground. There like a basketball.
4: you go. That's one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what, that's what he was going right. for. That's what yeah. he
3: was going for. But lo- that defender also saw the film. <laughs> <And he> had- <laughs> He's he's been studying he's like, his film. He's like, You're not you're not making a fat head poster out of me. Okay, all right. Yeah, I got that. I got that yeah. screwed up. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean it was just hard running. I mean, Najee had another solid day. I know it wasn't a hundred yards, but he had effective, meaningful yards, and he kept the tempo going, especially on that first drive of the game to go down and score. I mean, we talked about it. He had more yards in that first drive than he did all against Baltimore. Yes. 34 yards in that drive, only 33 yards total against Baltimore. So Najee was sending a statement to everybody as well with the way he was running against that Carolina defense, who had been so stout against the run the last couple of weeks. Um, They went, and him and the offensive line, they made an effort to show, hey, listen, we are not what we were last week. When you talk about going and erasing what you put, you are what you put on tape, that was a great answer and retaliation to that Baltimore game and what they did in that game to come out against this Carolina team who wants to stop the run and run the football. They made them change their entire game plan. You know, Walter Payton, man of the year. Derek Brown was not so Walter Payton, man of the year-ish yesterday. He got a little frazzled. Him and Mason Cole got locked up a couple times. It was chippy in the game. But, but, yeah, he was embarrassed because he was going backwards. He was not going forward.
4: Um, He ain't used to going backwards either.
3: No, he's not. Now he he's at he's at one. He, he does not have the e brake. You know what I'm saying? When You start to slide down the hill. And right, you don't right. have the snow tires on. Yeah, he doesn't have that little e brake. So he was he he was on, he was on skis uh, more likely <laughs> going backwards. And Mason Cole, Kevin Dotson, and James Daniel were his personal escorts uh, in, into their own defensive backfield. <laughs> you know,
4: it, it really. I, I just admired Najee because he just he kept battering and fighting all day long, you know, in the offensive line, like you are yeah. talking about, it got a little chippy in there. And, and there's nothing wrong with chippiness. Uh, you know, as you well know, that's the trenches. That's a blood sport in there, you know, and that's and it's the passion of the game. It is. And you have that passion and you have that, that physicality aspect about you and, and you better make sure that you're bringing everything that you got because those guys on the other side are doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, from tackle to tackle and, and four or five yards deep on each side of the line of scrimmage, that is one well of a place to be and if you're there and in the midst of it he, you cannot be a um cannot be uh you know uh one of those uh, a part-time participant it's it takes everything you got
3: now nah, you got to be 10 toes in and a- as the old adage goes wolf like when you're we, when you're in there in a scrum and it's three yards in a cloud of dust it's all buttholes and elbows you know yeah, what i'm saying that's, like yep. you you, you, you got to get in there and you yeah it's like it's like oh, do you want to get involved? Oh no, you're gonna get involved. <laughs> <laughs> you got no choice, man. You got no yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no if-ands or buts about it. No, it's like, listen. You lined up. You got a helmet. You got a jersey. You you, you in compliance with your uh, with with all of your gear? <laughs> all right, we're going to do this. We're going to use every pad on on your body today. Okay, let's just go ahead and just live with that. <laughs> exactly. Now let's
4: also think about this. This was Mike Tomlin's 160th career win. Yes. You know, I mean, think about that. It's It came in his 255th game. He is the fifth fastest coach in the NFL to reach that plateau. He's only behind Don Shula, George Hallis, Curly Lambeau, and Bill Belichick. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. That's just phenomenal.
3: It's rarefied air yep. when you think about it. And then also, he's only the 17th head coach in NFL history to reach that plateau. Think about how many coaches... Have been co- have coached at the head coach position yep. in the league, and then he's the only the seventeenth coach to do so. But the that, fifth that's just,
4: fastest. That's something. fifth
3: fastest. That's right, Ricky Bobby. Right, you know, hey, <laughs> want to go fast, and and he didn't do it as fast as some, but to be in the top five uh, fastest to get to that point, it, it speaks volumes to his coaching style, to the messaging. And to just the determination and the will, right. Yes. To be able to instill that in the player so that they can go out there on Sundays and make, and make his thoughts reality. I mean, I, I think that's really what it comes down to. So bravo to coach T once again, fighting. I mean, and then here's the thing that that's what happens when you also, when you, when you don't have a losing record for 15 years of your yeah, career, right, hello. Yeah. right. right. <laughs> you know. That allows you to be quick, allows you to be quick. Um, but uh, but yeah, tremendous tremendous accolade for for Coach Tomlin. That's another milestone, hit another notch in the belt, and uh, you know another step on his to way
4: towards what's going to be a Hall of Fame career. You know, what I mean that's Absol-
3: absolutely absolutely because all is. those names you named before him, yep, they're they're all there.
4: So <laughs> yes, no doubt about say, it.
3: You're punching your ticket. You're punching your ticket, Coach. That's yeah. all it is. But yet
4: he's got more work to do,
3: and oh, hey, so do my- we. So do we. So I'll leave everyone with this as we end the show. Coach Tom used to always say this. We have miles and miles to walk before we sleep and miles and miles to walk before we sleep. That is the message. So they still have miles and miles to go before he rests on his career. And with that, we go take a rest because we've gone miles and miles. <laughs> and we'll be refreshed and re-energized tomorrow. Same bat channel, same bat time. Here on SNR and ESPN Radio, you have been in the locker room. He's Craig Wolfley. I'm Max Starks. And also we got a ninja Wesley Euler in there, a.k.a. Johnny. Um, We will be back tomorrow for all of this breakdowns of the Steelers as we get ready and march towards Christmas Eve bout against the Las Vegas Raiders and celebrating the Immaculate Reception. We'll do some more coverage of that as the week progresses. Thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your day.